0: This is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento, and man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Hi, good morning Project Church. How's everybody doing? I love that, Lydia. How's everybody doing this morning? You feeling good? I'm feeling very excited and very refreshed. Caleb and I and the family, we just got back from vacation for a week. So, of course, Caleb scheduled me to preach this Sunday. (laughs) Good timing, babe. So, anyways, I'm so excited. How many people of you have been enjoying this series on relationships? Have you been taking nuggets to take to your employer? Somebody laugh, please. Okay. Have you been taking... Um, some nuggets for your relationship with your husband, with your wife, with your children. See, what we did this time was we didn't do a relationship series just solely based on dating, love, and sex, which we have historically. We've actually kind of tried to take all the attributes that we believe are probably some of the top most important attributes to healthy relationships that build strong relationships that you can apply not just to your romantic relationships, but also to your relationships with your children, your relationships with your friends, your relationship with your co-workers, and your relationship with future friends, right? And so today we are going to be talking about a couple attributes which is which are intimacy and trust. So a couple weeks ago, re- make sure if you didn't listen to the messages or if you weren't here for the messages to so go back online, you can go um, check us out on the podcast, Spotify or um, Apple iTunes or you can also go online, projectchurch.com and you can catch up. But service and humility was really a great message that really launched this series and that's really the base level of where we need to begin and find our relationships on. Service and humility. Last week was a great word from my father-in-law and mother-in-law. How many people were there for that? (laughs) Powerful, mighty couple of God. They've been together for 40 years almost. And um, what's that? 39. And so this week we're talking about intimacy and trust. And like I said, Caleb graciously gave me This week to preach. So I'm so excited. But I'm really excited about talking about relationships. Just because I really truly believe and I'm convinced that relationships are the most important things that we have on this earth. How many people believe that? Here's the thing. The only thing that you can take with you to heaven are relationships. You're not going to take any of the clothes that are on your back. You're not going to take your house. You're not going to take your cars. And you might not take your dog. You know, some of you are dog lovers. Probably going to take your dogs. But, you know, (laughs) you're not going to take this church building. You're not going to take the chair that you're sitting on. You're going to take the relationships that you have. And I've always said this, that relationships are what define me. My relationships with my parents have created me and made me who I am today. My relationship with my siblings, my sisters, are um, what strengthened me and have formed me into the woman that I've become. My relationship with my friends um, and the vulnerability that we've shared with one another has, has created me and made me the woman that I am, the, the better woman that I've become. And when people see my blind spots, my friends, my spouse, my kids... They tell me and they make me better. And so relationships are the most important thing we can take to heaven. It's the most important thing we have here on earth. And relationships are the kingdom of God. You've heard us say that time and time again, right? Relationships build the kingdom of God. And if you are here and you've given your life to Jesus, your mission here on earth is to build the kingdom of God. You're asking people to join the family of God where there is peace, where there is comfort, where there is joy. You believe that today? And so we're going to talk about why, though, we have to grow deeper in our relationships because I've been kind of contemplating this idea of intimacy and trust because I don't think, um, I think we relegate it to sexual relationships with one another and we relegate it to just trusting one another in romantic relationships. But I think it's greater than that. You've heard me say this time and time again, if you've ever been to a women's event here, you should know this verse by heart. But Psalm 139, 14 through 16, it says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then you go down to verse 16, all your days were destined for you. All your days were destined purpose for you. All your days were fashioned for you before any of them were yet to be. When you were in your mother's womb, God had a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And he has a destiny that you must walk into. And so when I think about how much purpose is wrapped in, up into me as an individual, and then the word of God says that relationships are the most important thing that we can have here on earth, then all the purpose that's wrapped up into my friend Michelle and our relationship, it, there must be purpose in that relationship. Do you, do you hear me? If we're all formed on purpose, no one's an accident. Somebody needed to hear that today. No one was an accident in this place. If we were purposed and created by a loving father on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose, then the relationships that we carry here on earth have a greater purpose. They have a greater purpose. So there's a phenomenon happening here in this day and age, and I believe that one of the major culprits to this phenomenon, which we'll call pseudo-intimacy, is social media. You might be familiar with it. Pseudo intimacy is a result or consequence of social media because if you think about it, an increasing number of people know who you are by what you post. And then you, if you really want everybody to see your posts, you leave your Instagram or your Facebook uh, account public for everyone to see. So then you leave yourself open to criticism and judgment and you even let them leave comments on your pictures. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so not only do you let them leave comments, but you let them by, by choice, this is your choice, call them your friend. If you're a Facebook friend, how many people, like, know that they, people think that they're actually your friend, even if you don't see them, right? It's like the strange thing, and even, like, a follower on Instagram, you're a f- you have followers, yet you've actually never met the person, and so there's something called pseudo intimacy where we're really not knowing people on a deeper, more intimate level. I mean, I really think that I'm really good friends with Justin Bieber, Michelle Obama, and uh, who else? Joanna Gaines. Like, we're way closer than they even know. And how weird is that? Think about that. That's super weird. And we've become, like, expert stalkers because we can find out people's location because you check in. When you come to Project Church, you say, I came to 1013 K Street. You know, I went out to eat here. And so we can totally stalk people. And it's this strange thing. I think social media has made us all a little crazier. How many people believe that you're a little crazier? And so... Because of this pseudo-intimacy, I believe that it has revealed a greater problem in society. And I believe that that problem is that our relationships are shallow. Our relationships are shallow. And I don't believe that God designed us to have shallow relationships. When things are shallow, shallow, they're almost meaningless The shallower the water or a puddle on the street, the sooner it evaporates, right? But I believe that God is calling us to deeper waters, relationships with people that are rich and deep and meaningful and purposeful. That's why he created us, to build his kingdom and to have intimate relationship with one another and intimate relationship with our father, with our creator. So today I want to submit to you that the deeper The degree to which we grow deeper in our relationship with God and others will be the degree to which we gain an understanding of our life's purpose. Okay, let me say that again. The degree to which we grow deeper in our relationship with God and others will be the degree to which we gain an understanding of our life's purpose. In other words, the people in your life are going to help determine the purpose that you're going to walk out. So in order to understand this deepening of relationships, there's just a few words that I think that we should define. Number one being intimacy. The definition of that is close familiarity or friendship or closeness. Intimacy has also been defined as what we call an experience of really getting to know somebody or being known by another person. How many people understand that this is a basic human need? We were designed to be known or we want to know other people. That's just how we were designed. And so intimacy, that's the very definition of intimacy. Intimacy is important and not just in romantic relationships. Because here we go, like I said, we relegated to sexual relationships. Intimacy um, or sex is just an intimate act. It is not intimacy. Physical intimacy at the wrong time breeds codependence, unhealthy soul ties, and it's a festering wound waiting to get infected. But I can remind you, let me remind you, I'm not trying to throw shade or like condemnation on people. You get hell six days a week. I'm bringing hope this morning, all right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing that we need to understand that God is in a good mood. Okay, he's in a good mood. He's happy and he knows that there are like knee-jerk reactions in us and we have flesh desires. Paul talks about it throughout the New Testament. We have these flesh desires and it causes us sometimes to do things outside of his will. But because he's in a good mood, we can rest assured that that he's not going to send us to hell if we have sex outside of marriage. But we can't avoid consequences. So I just want to touch on that real quick because I think sometimes we just relegate these conversations of intimacy to sexual intimacy. But I want you to understand that we serve a loving God who gives us boundaries to to keep us safe. I ask my kids all the time, when they're like out of line and acting a fool, I ask them, what is mommy's job? In the calmest possible voice as possible. I mean, it's just hard sometimes. What is mommy's job? And they all know to say, to keep me safe. Okay, so why are you jumping from rock to rock right next to the water? Oh, Charlie, you just fell in the fountain that everybody's throwing coins in that you're not supposed to be in. Okay, so what is mommy's job? To keep me safe. That is God's job. To keep us safe. He can't avoid, I couldn't avoid the consequence of my daughter getting all wet and really irritating me with wet socks. And um, anyway, so I couldn't deal with that. But here's the thing, God, he's not out to just punish us. He's just saying, I can't do anything. When you do things outside of my plans and my boundaries, there's just going to be consequences. And so I'll leave that there. So intimacy, not just sexual intimacy, but going close in familiarity or friendship with our children, with our spouses, with our friends, with our neighbors. Number two, trust. Trust is a firm belief in the reliability truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. I want you to hear this and write this down if you're taking notes. Trust is at the heart of intimacy. The more we trust someone, the closer we let them get to us. When trust is compromised, intimacy diminishes. Trust is so, so very important, and it fuels our intimacy. But I want you to also write this down, and this is probably the crux of the message, that the prerequisite for intimacy and trust is Mm -hmm. vulnerability. Vulnerability. Somebody say vulnerability this morning. Vulnerability is the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed either physically or emotionally. When I think about vulnerability, I think of a picture, um, and I, there's this author. I have to just give her a shout out because I've just been reading her book, Brene Brown's, um, just Brene Brown. There you go. You just <laughs> look up a book and read about her. But she talks a lot about vulnerability. But she, she likens vulnerability to taking off armor, like of self-protection, of self-consciousness of self-deprecation, it's taking off this armor that we feel is protecting us from getting hurt. So we're gonna be encouraged this morning to remove that armor, to remove that honor and live the vulnerable lives that God wants us to. Some people are like squirming in their seats. You're like, vulnerability, what? I don't wanna do that. And I get it, it's a hard thing. And so I want you to hear from Paul He is um, somebody who wrote most of the New Testament. He wrote all the letters to the churches, um, Ephesians, Colossians, Corinthians, Thessalonians. So he wrote a bunch of the New Testament that we read. And uh, his works were written and recorded for all time because he was one of the most vulnerable people that you will ever read in the Bible. Not just him. David does a lot. And we'll talk about David and his vulnerability. But I want you to understand that Paul really led a life of vulnerability. And we're going to learn from him in 2 Corinthians twelve nine 9-10. If you have your Bible, would you open up the word or you can follow along on the screen. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and that we can trust it because you wrote it and you're a trustworthy God. We love you this morning. We thank you that you're in a good mood that you're always in a good mood because you are a good God. So may you reframe the way that we think of you, the way that we see you this morning, and may it release us to live vulnerably and more intimate so that we might walk out the purpose that you have called us to. We love you so much, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys ready to go deep? Okay, get ready. And take notes. Here we go. So how do we deepen our relationships with one another? Three quick points. Number one, intentionally cultivate intimacy. Be intentional with one another. When I read this scripture from Paul, I, I thought about it. and I was just like, man, this dude was traveling all over the place. Yet he was so faithful to write to the churches with whom he had relationship with. Even though he was out and about and he was busy and it was here and there and everywhere, he was in jail at times, he was getting stoned other times, he was getting beat up. Here he is still writing letters despite his circumstances, despite his hardships, he was intentional with the church that he had relationship with. That's the kind of people that we need to be in the relationships that we have. We're not all traveling all over the place. We're not getting beat up every other week. We're not getting persecuted for our faith the same way that Paul did. So why is it hard for us to have vulnerability with one another, intimacy with one another? I think it may be, and I submit to you, that we are not very intentional. We're not very intentional. Be intentional with others. You can't have intimacy without intentionality. James 4.8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We understand how to be intentional because God is intentional with us. When we make and take a step towards him, he takes a step towards us. And many of us don't even realize that he has been after us longer than we even know. That is the God we serve who loves us so much that he would leave the 99 to get the one. To get the one. Every single one of us is the one that he loves so much. He loves us so much. He is so intentional with us. And so if you were asking today, how do I grow in my relationship with Jesus? How do I grow in my intimacy with Jesus? It's draw near to him and he will draw near to you. That is a promise. It's a promise. It's not just like, "Eh, maybe he'll draw close. Like if you take big enough steps. No. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Even if you have the faith of a mustard seed, he will say, mountain, leave. That's the kind of God that we serve. So you can count on it. It's a promise in his word. Be intentional. Your relationship with God doesn't happen by accident. Neither does your relationships with your spouse, with your kids. Definitely that's not an accident. Some of you are like, oh, it was an accident. No, it wasn't an accident. You have kids on purpose. God gave you those kids on purpose. You have relationship with them, and it doesn't happen by accident. And I want you to understand Jesus' example. He was somebody who the multitudes were following him. Thousands of people were following him. And then you look that he had an inner circle, and it was about 12 people, Right. Well, actually, before that, there were, like, dozens of disciples. And then down from the dozens of disciples were 12 disciples. And then he had three more that he, he hung out with a little bit more closely. And then he had the one. He had the one, and that was God, his father. And he would often, he would often just leave the disciples and say, I'm going to go be with my one my one, and I know that God loved that. That's what God, what he wants us to withdraw to him. So I think that you need to understand that when i say saying be intentional, it doesn't mean be intentional with every single person in the room. It's just not possible. We do not have enough connectors in our brains to connect with other people. As some of you extroverts think, sometimes I think that I can connect with everybody. It's possible. It's, it's, it's impossible. But God is going to lead you, the more you draw near to him, he's going to lead you to the people that you should be drawing near to if we're obedient and if we're listening to him, if we're inclining our ear to him. Again, we don't have to be vulnerable with everybody. We don't have to be intimate with everybody, but we can be intentional. So a few years ago, and I think I've mentioned this before, um, a pastor friend of ours sent us something called the... Um, the personal accountability plan. And it was a, a, a plan to have relationships in your life that would help you in your health, that help, would help you in your marriage, that would help you in all these different areas in your life where you could be held accountable to them. And I was like, wow, this is a great idea. This is a great plan. And then I was like, personal accountability plan, it's the PAP. And a man wrote that. So I changed it to MAP, and I changed it to my accountability plan. Some of you guys will get that later. You have no idea. You have no idea. So. Um, But I realized that I had to be intentional because I am extroverted. And so I'm like, I want to be friends with everybody. But I had to be intentional and I said, if I want to grow in the area of health then i 'm going to connect with my friend who 's a health coach if I want to grow in my in, in spiritual leadership then i 'm going to connect with another woman who 's pastoring if I want to connect with um, if I want to be a better parent then i 'm going to connect with a mom who is killing it as a mom I, if i want to if I want to grow in all these areas then I need to connect with those people and I need to be intentional with people because they're The intention that we have with those individuals are going to help us be intentional with the purposes that we're supposed to carry out in Jesus' name. So we need to do the PAP or MAP, whatever you need to call girls. Girls, make sure you get your PAP. Okay, moving on. I'm sorry. Honey, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Somebody stop me. Okay, so how else do we deepen our relationships? Number two. Authentically build trust. Authentically build trust. There's all these buzzwords that we're hearing about. Be authentic, be real, trust, intimate, blah, blah, blah. This is a real thing. Authentically build trust. Trust requires you to be your authentic self. When I think about my kids and when I think of all the threats that I give them when they're not behaving, and I'm just like, okay, well, then I'm just going to throw away your Nintendo then. I'm just going to throw it away. And, and I'm like, that's not true. How can my kids believe me if I'm barking threats at them? How can they trust me if I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna throw you Nintendo, and they're gonna be like, yeah, right. And they're gonna continue to misbehave. And I'm like, oh, I probably should have come up with something else, like, I'm gonna throw away that one. Pair of shorts that I hate anyways. You know, like I should have said something like that. But here's the thing. It requires for us to be authentic and true. Authentic has a lot to do with being integrous. And authenticity has a lot to do with having integrity. Do you follow through with the words that you say? Do your actions follow them up? Is that You, is that the type of person that you are? Integrity, by definition, means it's a concept of consistency. Are you a consistent person? Consistency of actions, values, methods, principles, all these buzzwords, like I said. But are your actions consistently lining up with who you are? I was honestly, and she's going to listen to this, so it's no big deal. I'm not throwing shade at my sister. I am, but she'll hear it, so I'm being real. Um, So, like, she was saying all month... Okay, six months that she was going to come this weekend to be with us. I'm, I'm with my sister's here in town. She's not here. She'll be here next week or next service. And it's been fun. We're celebrating her 40th, and, um, which means that's a couple of years away from me. Anyway, um, shoot. What was I saying? Okay. <laughs> the age thing just threw me, threw me off. So here's the thing. She had been saying for six months that she was going to come on this trip. And then just so many things came up. And then it was like, wait, did you get your ticket? I could have sworn you said you got your ticket. She never got her ticket. And, I mean, it, it might seem like a small thing, but you can, uh, you can understand the disappointment that we had to want to spend time with her. And you can understand how in other areas where we're not integrous that we disappoint people and we leave people actually hurt. And I'm not saying that she's a bad person or she doesn't have integrity But I think that as women and men of God, that we should follow through with the things that we say. And I've been challenged on that on multiple occasions. You know what, you guys, I'm not the only person, I'm not, I mean, you're not the only person who needs to grow in intimacy. I had four different conversations with people in the last month and a half who challenged me on um, our friendship. Yikes. But thank God for that. Because if somebody's not going to call out my blind spots, If somebody's not going to call me out, like I'm calling my sister out, I already called her out, don't worry. Again, it's fine. Chill out. I'm not going to do this to you if we get in a fight. Um, (laughs) Hopefully not. Anyway, um, don't worry. But I just feel like if we don't have that trust in our relationships where we can, like, say, hey, I trust what you see in me. I trust that there's a blind spot in me. And I'm going to change it because I don't want to hurt you or anybody else that these actions are affecting. So it's really important for us to live authentically because here's the thing, when we live authentically, when we live authentically, we are going to draw the people that God desires for us to touch. If we're being fake friends, if we're being friends with people just in order for our own gain, then we're not going to impact the people that we're supposed to. We're going to be in the wrong lane. We're going to be like trying to shimmy up to this friend because it makes you look better on social media or because they're good looking. And then it's like then you miss the person that you're supposed to be friends with. If you're not authentic and if you're just fake and you're not being really truly who God has made you to be, then you're going to miss out on some purposes that he has for you. Do you believe that today? Authentic, authenticity is so important. And when we're authentic, we build trust. When I'm real with my kids, when I'm honest with my kids, when my actions line up with my words, my kids feel safer. They feel better. My friendships feel better they feel safer there's more peace so here's the thing i know we can authentically build trust with one another but we need to authentically build trust with god not because god is un, is not trustworthy but because we are not trustworthy so what i believe this morning is that you know this conversation about authentically building trust kind of leads me to two other questions how do i trust god How do I trust God more? And you're going to be like, oh, she's just going to say pray and read the Bible. And so let me tell you, pray and read your Bible. (laughs) Prayer is having a conversation with God. And sometimes we do a lot of talking. But he wants us to listen. And, you know, sometimes you're like, I don't hear anything. I need the audible voice. No, God's going to start putting desires in your heart. I just had this conversation Put desires in your heart that line up with his will. And you're going to have peace in your heart to do what you want to do. But the more we have conversation with God, the more we align ourselves with God, the more our will becomes, His, his will becomes our will. And we think it's our idea, but it's totally his. It's totally his plan. And so we need to get to the place where we're honest with who we are and authentically build trust with God. Present your prayers and requests to him. He's trustworthy. You know, so many people post pictures when calamity happens or when um, bad things happen in this world. Pray for Paris. Pray for France. And I'm like, who are some of these people praying to? Honestly, I want to know. What does sending good vibes mean? I, I truly want to know. I'm not trying to be funny, kind of. Um, but who, who are we praying to? I want to pray prayers to the God of the universe that created everything, that created heaven and earth, the one that I can trust, the one that created me, that knows me better than I know myself, that can count the number of hairs on my head. I want to pray to the God who can change things, who can change atmospheres, who can change situations miraculously. He's the God who parted the seas. He's the God who raised himself from the grave. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he's alive now. That is the person that I want to pray to. I don't want to pray and just hope for good vibes from all you imperfect humans. No. We want to pray to a perfect God who is good and who loves us and has our best intentions at heart. That is the God that we serve. That is the God that we trust. And then the second question that you might have is how do I trust God, number one? And then how do I trust other people? Here's the answer. You can't. You just can't. I told you about my friends that I let down in the last month and a half. I let them down. You're going to let people down. You're going to let your kids down. You're going to let your spouse down. You're going to let people down in this life. But we're going to serve and align ourselves with a God that we can trust so that we can take on his character. The more we know him... The more we take on as a character. And the more that we are with God, aligned with God, the more people can trust us. The more we can be the trustworthy people that He desires us to be. So that's the other question. I'm sorry. You can't trust one another. <laughs> I promise I'll give you more hope. Here we go. Number three. Number three, humbly become vulnerable. If we're gonna deepen our relationships with God and and deep in our relationships with one another, we're going to become more vulnerable. The picture I gave you earlier was the picture of that Brene Brown gives us that we put on armor to protect ourselves from the hurts from other people, even sometimes from our kids, from our bosses. That picture is taking off the armor of self-protection, taking off the armor of self-preservation, taking off the helmet of self-consciousness. All these things we put on so that we cannot be hurt. Do you know that it's some people's mission in life to not be hurt? And I'm telling you that's one of the saddest things I can ever imagine. I'm gonna read you something, I wasn't gonna read this, but I think I have a little bit of time. C.S. Lewis says this, of all arguments against love, none makes so strong an appeal to my nature as careful this might lead to suffering. In other words, some people don't want to love, some people don't want to be vulnerable because of the reason that they may be led to suffering. They may hurt. And here's what he says. There is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be certainly wrung and possibly be broken if you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. You dog lovers out there. Wrap it carefully around the hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy or suffering or at least to the risk of tragedy is damnation the only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and um, perturbations of love is hell I want you to let that soak in for a second when we choose not to be vulnerable and not to love the way that God loves us then we damn ourselves to hell We live in the confines of our own selfishness and our own self-preservation and we die a really lonely, sad death. God's calling us to something better. God's calling us to something deeper. God's calling us to something meaningful. God is calling us to something purposeful. That's what he wants from us. So when I think about this armor that we put on ourselves, all this self-preservation, all this careful, like, making myself like perfectly unbroken i think about the story of jonathan and david jonathan and david have a very intimate relationship a friendship that everybody kind of talks about that is in the bible this is the friendship that you want and let me read to you about it first samuel 18 1 through 8 now, this is after David, if you know the story of David and Goliath, David just killed Goliath and the king, um, which is Jonathan's father, takes David into his courts and says, you're, you're with us now, dude, you're, you're, you're on the team, right? And so here's what it says in 1 Samuel 18, 1-4. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, David to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even a sword and his bow and his belt, excuse me. What I see Jonathan doing here is taking off the armor of self-preservation and giving it to his friend David. And he's saying, I don't, I don't care if I should be the heir to the throne. You're about to go on the throne. I don't care. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be humble and vulnerable. And I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to give you the resources to do what you need to do and do it well. That is what true intimacy and trust is like, where you're not putting on armor, protecting yourself, you're taking off armor and serving one another. That is how we developed intimacy and trust. And that is what it looks like to be vulnerable. The enemy of intimacy and trust, you would think is like the pain that we endure. No, the enemy of that, of intimacy and trust and vulnerability is not pain, it is distance. It's distance from the people that God has put in your life to accomplish His purposes. It's the distance that you put between you and God because you're angry at Him, because you're hurt. That is the enemy of true intimacy and trust. And God is saying, I'm beckoning you to be intimate with you because I created you to have relationship with me. I love you more than anybody on this earth can love you. I love you and I know everything about you. God knows us the most. He gave his life for us. And he's saying, will you give your life for me? 1 John 4:18. there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. There are very f- many fearful people, I believe in this room, moments in myself where we don't want to be in relationship, where we want to hide from our husbands, hide from our kids, hide from people, because we're afraid of getting hurt. But God is saying, if I've called you to them, then you need to move towards them and grow intimate with them so you can carry out the purposes I have for you, and they're greater than you can think of for yourself. and there there in those relationships there in the marriage I have with my husband is peace and joy there's hardship God doesn't say I promise that there's not going to be hardship God says I promise that I'm going to be there during the hardship that is the God that we serve. That is what he wants for us. He wants us all to walk in peace and comfort and joy in good times and bad times, in mountains and in valleys. And we can sing hallelujah. God is with me. That is the God I serve. I am safe and in peace in his arms. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. You know what? Trusting God is one of the most vulnerable places that we can be. I believe that when we, when our back's are against the wall and we're we're having a moment of hardship, God is saying, that's when I want to show up and show out for you and show you how good I am, that I'm about to rescue you and that you can't do this life without me. And so we need in those moments to give God the opportunity to show up for us. That's who he is. And when we can live life disarmed, not trying to protect ourselves, then we are going to love people more than we ever thought we could. We're going to get hurt. It's going to happen. We're going to let people down. It's going to happen. But when we have relationship with the God that we can trust, the God not of the past, not of who I was in the past, or not of the future, he's the God of I am right now, right now for every single person in this room, no matter what you're going through, no matter what pain you're going through, whatever pain you're facing, no matter what mistakes you've made in the past, God is the God of I am and he's here, he's trustworthy, you can bank on it. So if you would bow your heads in this place, we're just gonna, we're just gonna close up our time and pray to the one that we can trust. He loves us so much, and he wants us to deepen our relationship, not just with other people, but I, and honestly, I don't believe that we're gonna be able to deepen our relationship with other people if we don't first deepen our relationship with Him. So that means being intentional with being Him. It means praying. It means reading the Bible. It means being in your Word. It means coming to a place where there's a gathering of believers that are gonna encourage you and build you up so if you're in this room and you're like man I want to have a relationship with Jesus I want to be closer to him than I was before I want to rededicate my life to him. I want to recommit my life to him. I want to give my life to him so that I might carry out his purposes, so that I might experience the peace and the joy that I have access to when I'm in a relationship with him. If that's you in this room, I'm going to count to three. And if you want to raise your hand, raise your hand and say, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. I want that peace. I want that intimacy. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Raise your hand in this room if you want to. I see that hand, 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 I see that hand. Come on church, people just raise their hands and their names are written in eternity. Would you help me out and pray alongside with me and with all these who raise their hand. Dear Jesus, thank you for bringing me here today. I accept you in my life. I believe that you died and rose again so that I might have life. I confess I'm a sinner. I confess I need my need for you. And I ask you to give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In, my, in your precious name, amen. Amen, come on church, come on church. We just added people to the family of God. you stand in this place and we're going to worship the one who loves us so intimately and so dearly my prayer for you is that you would grow closer to him in this week than you did last week amen come on let's sing the name of jesus in this place we hope this word encouraged you today if you haven't heard we recently purchased a building in old sacramento this is going to be the permanent home of project church we are here to stay in sacramento but i wanted to ask you if you would consider giving uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.